going with my girlfriend, so this will be very interesting to see how she reacts. Yeah, she'll, she can watch. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that's like put her to the side. I'm just saying, you know. Anyways. Um, I guess we can get started and talk about comic book things, things that are going on. Nah. Yeah, I'm excited. This was a good week. Uh, welcome to the Cult of Comics podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. That's Sean Walsh. That's Josh Craven. How's it going, boys? I'm excited to get into this. I'm, I'm curious. Mean, all except for maybe like one issue this week was really good. What was that? What, what was that one issue? Yeah, I'm curious. I'll tell you later. Uh, I know what it's going to be. Uh, yeah, you do. And he's going to have the same complaint he had with Joker. I, I th- we'll get to it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it. Anyways, yeah. this has been an interesting week for comic books. We're going to hop right onto it with uh, Rogues Number 1 by Josh Williamson and Leo Max. First off, that cover is beautiful. I love it. Mm-hmm. And Josh actually bought the main cover for a change. He bought a comic book? I deba- I, I looked at the other covers, but this was oh the best God. one. My God. Yeah, it was. So this is a old man rogue book. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, this is set years after the rogues have done their last heist. Some of them are living in, like, they've had parole. They're living sort of day-to-day in these shitty jobs. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them have reformed, like Golden Glider, and some of them haven't, like Heatwave. They're, Let, they're uh, all getting by. Yeah, not really living. Kind of in the middle. He's got a dead end job, but he's working hard there. It's not a dead end job. He's moving up. Yeah, he just got a promotion. True. And then uh, heard his bosses laughing at him as he walked out. Yeah, because he's no. He's no Mr. Freeze. Uh, did you see the credits page? First um, page inside? Probably. But let me just have another look it, it shows the credits. Leonard Stardust, Captain Cold, Lisa oh, Stardust, yeah, yeah. Like Fire, and featuring Gorilla Grodd as himself. <laughs> you know what's cool about the villains in the Flash rogues gallery? No pun intended is that they're so painfully Silver Age, like, to this the absolute worst point, but in some way it's fun, and it just works. Yeah. Like, Batman's rogues have sort of grown and become darker. I mean... Where they did want mm-hmm. to start as really cheesy... I mean, style, I guess... But Flash, because he's a much lighter character, his yeah. rogues always stayed in that kind of light, fun world yeah well i mean don't get me wrong i'm not going to dismiss the way that jeff johns wrote his rogues in um uh uh that three issue storyline that he did remember rogues don't kill and then they end up killing one of their members because he ended up killing a kid or something um i have not read any jeff johns flash it's really fucking good obviously i think i read actually i might have read that um oh god what's the first arc called Wonderland, mm. where Flash gets stuck in the mirror world. So the story jumps right in to uh, Leonard Snart ten years uh, after this opening sequence, uh, being uh, accosted by a police officer for um, Coast City. 
and this is a parole agent who is uh, keeping him in line and testing him for uh, drug uses and is there to collect urine. Um, the opening sequence is meant to be a sort of exposition, I guess, leading up to what is people having a conversation, the villains having a conversation about um, feeling outdated or like they don't really have any value anymore and snart is just kind of sitting in the back just staring at things uh, at, at these things happening in front of him then it fast forwards to this point so it definitely seems to be implying uh, that there is some recollection on his behalf that he might feel like a has-been and that that is yeah. really pissing him off so now we get him at a much older age uh or at least old enough to be uh white-haired and bald it's only 10 years later but still um, I mean, he's well, an he old was, man. He was already in like before. yeah, he was in his like forties before that. Yeah, but you, I don't think you he turn fifty and then suddenly you're bald and then white haired. Well, he could have been in his mid to late forties. We don't know when the first scene was set, but he's he's never been billed as like a young character. He was no. Barry Allen's rogue, and then Wally West had a whole career, which is weird to have your sister be Golden Glider if she's like thirty years younger than you. Yeah. You know what? It's okay because she doesn't look that old. It's it's comics. So it doesn't in make the sense. Bar, yeah. In at the bar at the start, uh, Snart goes to get shots for his table and overhears Sam talking about all this unmarked, uncounted gold in Gorilla City. But he doesn't act on it, and now it's ten years later that he's basically putting that plan together. Yeah. So. He gets the shakedown, he goes to work. Oh, it's Sam Simeon. Ah. He's a psychic gorilla and partner of Angel O'Day. That makes sense. Sam Simeon. The team Angel and the Ape. Thank you. Yeah, but he can't handle being referred to as a joke. He's like, this is all bullshit. The parole agent had come and shook him down and found nothing. Like, he just tears his house apart. And just pulls out all of his old gadgets. It's behind the radiator, behind the refrigerator, in the bed, in the pillows, and whatnot. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even all his old gadgets. It was at least just one pair of glasses he found. Yeah, but it's enough that... Well, that's what that's all the parole agent yeah. found. He yeah. didn't find all of the wires and knickknacks and everything else to make his gun. I just gotta say that this... I don't know how to explain this, but Josh Williamson has never really been a bad writer in any way, but I could never say that there was a point where he takes his time with a character to really let you feel the emotions that are building with him. And I really think that that was a success with this. This was a really well done, emotionally drawn yeah. out opening sequence for an issue. And I really respect that. Yeah, it this issue is paced very me. well. Yes. It reminds me of the formula that's done for Saga, where they don't spend more than four or five pages on a specific yeah, scene. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think that there's a, a good degree of there's a good degree of letting things kind of um, bleed out, so that way you can really capture the essence of what's going on. Like there's a boredom, there's a lull of him going on the train or the bus to uh, and fro yeah. work. There's a lull for him being at home. I was thinking about the the page where he finds out that Weather Wizard and Captain Boomerang die right before he goes to ah, see the yes. Trickster. Absolutely. Trickster. He just sits there 
you know, he finds out. He basically just sits down on the curb and just kind of chills for chills. a Chills. Haha. <laughs> Good pun. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know when this is, like, time is set, but I, I kind of like that this is done this way because it feels timeless in a way. Uh, very evergreen. It almost feels like it yeah. could be in the 80s. It could be in the 2000s, but you just don't know. Yeah, I think they're going for, like, here's these golden age superheroes pat way past their mm. prime. So, yeah, something like 70s or 80s. It would kind of make sense, right? Like, what if they actually aged into I, the 1970s Rogue's life story. 1980s? Yeah, I think this might be, like, the 90s. Because that would be 10 years after Barry Allen sort of disappeared. Okay. I don't know. That's just my Which sort of Which is why they're guess. able to just walk around Central City as, like, reformed criminals yeah I don't know I'm not too sure but that was sort of my interpretation oh they have got computers and stuff yeah oh they yeah that also looks a bit like an iPad maybe I gotta ask you so you're the flash know. fan uh between all of us I gotta ask like what was your what was your reaction when you read this um I think this is probably the most three-dimensionally these characters especially snart have been written Oh, you didn't like how they were written for The Flash? The TV series? I I didn't hate Snart in that. He was quite good. They kept bringing him back. Yeah. He did well enough. I'm going to be honest with you. Anyway, I to... feel like those two did a really good... I, I don't know why it just tickled me yeah. that those two were the ones that were cast for uh, Cold and... Um, what's his dick? Heatwave. Heatwave, Heat wave. thank you. Uh after yeah. being together for so break. long yeah i just loved that that was fantastic it was like five seasons it was four seasons off. oh they did do a reunion but that was after flash yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that show um, fell off the cliff it hard. did after the first season i think first season was amazing second season was still pretty good third season he yeah. was in like a prison in mexico then the fourth season had all this weird conspiracy shit about why he was really imprisoned in the first place and I didn't yeah. even I didn't even finish the show. Yeah. So this this is also kind of like Ocean's 11 where they're putting the team together, but the team doesn't really want to be together. They don't want much to do uh, with him, but they're all kind of down on their luck. I mean, I can see that, but I would actually say that this is <coughs> this feels more to me like that uh, Boston movie with Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner. Um, the town. The town. This feels more the like town, the town. Yeah. Like it feels like people who are just they do it because they know that that's what they can do, and they don't really have any other options. Yeah. And being while reading kind of this, pigeonholed into that yeah. role, and they can't get out. While reading it, all I could hear was Vin Diesel saying, "One last ride." <laughs> <laughs> Question for you: Who would you want to play Captain Cold in the movie? For this, or... As, no, just in the movie for, like, the, the Ezra version. Miller Flash. Oh. So, like, a younger Captain Cold, not this... Not any of the rogues, really, 16s. but yeah, I was thinking of Captain Cold in specific. But I mean, like, a younger... Yeah. Captain Cold. Michael Fassbender. Really? Well, I think he could do a good job. I guess that kind of fits in with the theme of who they cast. I... Yes, I don't know. Um, I feel like I hear what you're saying about the three dimensions for these characters, but I do feel like uh, I've seen other stories before with the rogues that felt 
just as fleshed out. I think that this just is really highlighting the key element of them, which is that these guys really are just dudes that happen to have access to, like, tools or tech or something in order to be mm -hmm. basic criminals, and it's... What's Calvin Klein done lately? Uh, underwear. Mm. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> Do you mean Chris Klein? No, I think I meant Kevin Klein. Uh, Guy Pierce could do a pretty good job with Captain Cold. Who? Guy Pierce. I can Guy see that. Pierce. Yeah. We get a um, team together: Golden Glider, the Jokester, uh, tri sorry, Trickster. My bad. Bronze Tiger, Magenta, Heat Wave, and then they break Mirror Master out of. I love that whole rehab. sequence. That Everyone gets them their own into hoodie, a different color hoodie for everybody, except for except for Captain Cold. He still has to wear his parka. <laughs> it's part of his identity. Yeah, at this and then point. you get to the end, and he kills everyone. He's like, "Oh, well, you guys are already in it now, so you may Man, as well if go I had a way. nickel for every time somebody freezes people and just bashes them to bits. You'll have two nickels this week. I'd have two nickels this week. <laughs> Which isn't a lot, but it's weird it happened twice. <laughs> yeah. Do you think Williamson is kind of upset he got upstaged? Because I, I feel like Human Target did a better job than this, but... Yeah. I wonder how well this sold. I hope it sold well. I'm, so what I'm, would you guys rate do you think? I'm honestly oh, really surprised why you haven't, like, you don't have any more to say about this, Sean. Um, well, you guys kind of He's covered so all my thoughts. Today. Yeah, I don't have a lot of energy. Yeah, I really liked a lot of this. I think the artwork complemented the story perfectly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It gave it a weird sort of, like, nostalgic 70s feel. Without it's being... all kind of sepia-toned. Yeah, a little. Um, but yeah, I think Cold was written really well here. Yeah. Well, I think That's most like of them were written really well. I didn't really have an issue with yeah. any of them. I just wish Josh Williamson's entire run had been this good. You know, I think... But he had a lot of editorial... And yeah, I was just going to say. He still, has, uh, he still has more issues to disappoint you with. There's three more issues. We'll see how that goes. I can't wait. Guys, we're going to go to Africa. There are no superheroes there. That's his whole plan. Like, None of the superheroes go to Africa... So we can do this. Alright, uh, rating for this. Uh, 875? Yeah, I'd give it... This, I'd give it an 8.5. 9. Okay. Jesus. Honestly, I really, I, I thought this was really well done. I think that Williamson... Yeah, it was very good. I think Williamson uh, really shows his chops here. I like Williamson. And I think that... A lot of the earlier stuff of Birthright felt a lot like this, too. It felt like there was a little bit more oomph to some of his yeah. writing, and I really appreciate that. This is the well, kind of story that... Let's give some praise to Leo... Let's give some praise to Leo Max and Lopez. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Leo well. Max is great. Yeah. It felt... Actually, I'm going to move up to 8.75. I feel like the art in this would not have delivered as well if it wasn't this, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, there's a very specific kind of tone the, that is delivered in this with this art style. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
the the art and the superheroes are all fake. Yeah, well, there's that, but it's also the way that the color palette is applied. Sometimes it doesn't actually fit within the the black outlines. A lot of the characters have very specifically, mm-hmm. um, in some ways, like hyper accentuated uh, facial features. Yeah. Um, and their hair or their heads. Their nose. Their hands go. Yeah, absolutely. Of the boundaries. Um, the other. Oh, I like this one right here, where they're chopping through the uh, chain link, and they're literally like chopping through I loved through the that bars so much. If they did the stuff like that, that whole for sequence was great. Every comic book, and I would just, I would be, I would die happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to keep making this comparison, but I do feel like my love and appreciation for Esaseta in Outcast is rem- brought into here for this art style. You know what I'm saying? Everything's everything's as a set to me, yeah. Um, I don't want to linger too much longer on it because we're halfway around. So, oh, one thing I want to add in was just I love how Gorilla Grodd looks like a a gorilla. No, like the way he's dressed, he looks like a drug boss from oh, Florida. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that he looks like an actual gorilla oh, yeah. instead of Tony J- Montana instead yeah. of J- uh, John Romita Jr. Scarface. drawing him to look like an ugly cat. Oh yeah, he a- he actually looks like. An eight pair. Yeah. <laughs> Not some weird. I don't even know how to. Some weird it. thing that just does this, and just great. Yeah. It's so weird. Anyways, I guess we can move on uh, to Ghost Cage number one by Nick Dragata uh, and who's the other artist? And there was another. Um, it's drawn by one Nick Dragata, but the co-writer like is Caleb Golner. Garner. 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 So this is, yeah. I really like this. This was this this much is... more fun than I expected. Uh, yeah. So, sure. <laughs> it, All right. It reminds uh, me a lot. This has that kind of Akira esque kind of manga. You know, you got the kind of well, it's not just steampunk, but it's it's kind of that retro punk aesthetic. But it's still Nick Dragata doing what he does for. East of West. I need to get around to reading East these, of West. These these kind of it's megalith struck these mega structures. He's always drawing eyes. That's a very common uh, component of his different creatures are the eyes. So this our, reminds our main... me a lot of Ultra Mega. I could see that. Yeah. So not just the art style is kind of manga esque, immensely but the story structure, where it just. Here's what's going on. Here's the situation. Let's get into it. Yeah, it's a high <laughs> don't octane need the adventure. That much. Yeah, it's basically who. This is who I am. This is your mission. This is what you're gonna do. Yeah. Go. And the guy, I don't know his name, the Mister Karloff, was talking yeah. to the reader as much as he was the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, I love this uh, kind of visual effect that they do, where it's him as like a hologram being projected yeah, to. Yeah, he's kind of got a static. Yeah. In yeah. his look. Aesthetic. Yeah, so I. We're even introduced to our, like our kind of big bad, the terrorist, that's been shaking things up inside the tower real early on. Uh, this looks like the sun from east yeah. and west. It, the character Trouble. also reminded me of Mother Panic from DC that was introduced a few years ago. 
Hmm. Um, I'll see if I can find a picture. You know what this kind of... I have... I was just going to say, some of the scenery reminded me of Mobius a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mobius? The artist? What is that? Uh, European artist. Really... Familiar. Pretty famous. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you, what do you make of this first page? Just this kind of body horror where there's an eyeball and a hand inside of a mouth with another set of teeth off to the side uh it was a bit weird to open up to i mean it was fun but it definitely um i i guess i just didn't understand if there was like a bit of an action going on or if it was just like a single like just the birth of sam yeah maybe I guess? I don't know. It kind of felt like it was falling to Earth and then suddenly, boom. I don't know. Yeah, I w didn't quite understand what was happening in that page. Mm -hmm. But this is this is really quick. It's three <coughs> issues, so we, you know, gotta be quick, but they're like double-sized, so it's more like six yeah. issues. How many pages? But we just, we jump straight uh, into this the was action. Like 40, wasn't it? Each yeah. Each character is introduced right away we meet the boss we do the boss fight move on to the next boss it's basically like it's a video game it's kind of like old school kind of mortal Kombat, where it's just here's the fight do the fight move on to the next fight i guess yeah the th that is what it felt like i guess the thing that i had an issue with is that there's so much kind of happening in sequence that it's kind of hard to really understand a lot of what's happening like you get the idea of there's a fight, you know, the Cole character uh, needs to be destroyed by Sam, um, this eyeball character mm -hmm. that's been created by this old man. You get the general idea of things. It's just like, it, it gives you a lot more questions, I guess. Yeah, and that's kind of the nature of some manga or anime is you don't really ask why, you just go yeah. with You're it. just sort of there for the ride. Yeah, that seems to be kind of the aesthetic where it's, don't ask questions, just go you know, with it. You um, know, you mentioned Akira, but I actually see a lot of Fulikili in this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A lot of weird, uh, like, TV-esque looking faces and then a computer being carried on the back. Yeah, our, yeah, our technician is carrying the TV mm -hmm. in which Karloff communicates to him and Sam. Yeah. I mean, artistically, it's really fun. You can't deny that Dragata really has a specific talent for drawing things the way that he does. Um, I don't know how to explain this. It, if you're looking for something that's going to be very visually appealing and is kind of like a, a small treat to have not something that you're going to be collecting for years to come but something that you can just yeah. kind of like yeah. cleanse the palette uh with something that you can just read and have fun with exactly i don't want every comic to be no. like this but to have a comic like this come along once in a while it's very yeah. nice it's very appealing i guess yeah, and that's what ultra mega was for me yeah. last year it was just a very fun short-paced action movie for me i i have yeah. i have to say actually um looking back on ultra mega for me now i actually have a harder time appreciating it because 
I, I recognize what it was, but it's it's one of those stories where you just uh, purpose. I guess it's the question of purpose, you know. You really just need to be in the moment the first time you're reading it. Yeah, well, it's weird because like I can pinpoint, I can watch Fully Cully over and over again and still enjoy it, and it's still nonsensical in so many ways. It's been a long time. And it's still fun, and I guess I'm just wondering if I'm being overly critical with this when I'm making that comparison. Yeah. Um, so the first fight versus Cole was very straightforward, very easy to follow, but this fight versus, uh, what's the guy's name, Hydro? Yeah. Yeah, Hydro. Um, it's a bit more abstract, I think. Yeah, I like found it kind of hard to work out what's into each other. Sam's eye becomes a person, and it reaches inside of the Hydro Submariner helmet and pulls somebody out. And then basically sucks all the water out of him. Yeah. It's strange. It, yeah, I do see that kind of fully coolie thing where it's almost like a body being sucked through versus the water uh, tornado, yeah. the drain. I feel like the eyeball is like a, a helmet, maybe, for the person inside of it. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure there's anything inside of it. It's just like a robot, kind of like Baymax okay. from Big Hero 6. You know what? Because they drain him out, and like he immediately just becomes like flat, yeah. deflated. Uh who made the comparison to Mother Panic? Me. Yeah, I totally see it. I don't know. I I so. I just don't. I I guess this is like a fun thing right now, but I guess it's not necessarily something that I really want to like pitch to other people and say you guys really gotta check this out. You know, I don't know. Sure. It's something you can maybe recommend. I don't think to anybody needs to people who check it out, but I really like it. Yeah, it's maybe something you could recommend to people who like this sort of story, like manga and whatnot. Mm. Mm -hmm. The thing is, like... Anybody that liked East of West, yeah, definitely well, go read this. sure, but at the same time, with East of West, like, you had the benefit of Dragata's really insane art style mixed with Hickman's really insane world building. You know, you had... Oh, the, yeah, we didn't get any graphics here. No, no graphics at all. Graphics. You know, um... My first time reading. Uh, it the feels first... like that would have been perfectly in place here. Yeah, it would have fitted in perfectly. Or uh, maybe Battle Angel. Yeah, yeah. it's it's not doesn't really have that chibi eskness. The um, the way that I read East of West at first, I really hated that first trade, and I I didn't read it again for a couple of years, and then when I came back to it, I was like, oh, this is really good, and my perception of it really changed, and maybe it was because I had a hard time. Like just drinking in what was going going on. I didn't I didn't really read over a lot of the graphics, um, the infographics of anything, but maybe that was why I enjoyed it more yeah. later. But I mean, it's kind of like you said. You don't necessarily need to have a whole lot of here's what this world is in order to enjoy it. You can just get hot thrown into it and then pick it up as you go. Um, but I feel like with East of West, there's an end goal of this is a sci-fi story but it's a western telling of that sci-fi story mm -hmm. with a serious degree of fantasy elements also it's an alternate universe timeline where america is this and it's a revenge yeah. story and it lays most of that down in the first 
trade yeah. or the first couple of issues. I guess it's it's telling you this is point A, we're going to get to point B. You know where this story is going to go, and you don't know how that's going to get there, but you know that that's the goal of what the story is. It says is. that a bit in this. It's it's basically, you're going up floor by floor, energy type by energy type. It tells you what to expect. We see the tower that's, you know, coal, water, coal, hydro, gas, wind, nuclear. I don't know what the next level above that's going to be. There's something else there where bits of the well, words are but it's basically like you're gonna go face these bosses you're gonna take care of the terrorist it reminds me a lot fight. of a video game yeah it kind of gives me yeah sort of portal 2 vibes a little mm-hmm. yes uh maybe you know some people that haven't read a lot of comics might say this is over the top but this sort of craziness I think definitely fits what's going on. I think that the over-the-top manga style is a lot of fun. I actually really like it. I, I just think that for it to be a plot of person goes in to go fight these um, bosses, uh, one of the reasons... You know how we always make the joke about how it's the friends we make along the way? Mm-hmm. It's basically that. The hero's journey is not the the satisfaction of the ending. It's the satisfaction of getting there, you know? And... If this is something where, like, this character Doyle discovers something about themselves or um, you find out that there was no old man or something like that, that makes the interest. Yeah, that, that part remains yeah, to be Yeah, that seen. makes the story interesting. We'll see some sort of... There's definitely going to be some sort of twist, but as it is right now, I'm really I think it. that it's a fun, very t- uh, top-layer comic, so I can't fault it necessarily for that because that seems to be what it wants to be. And you can't judge something for not being something that it's not trying to be. You know what I mean? Like, I can't judge the Batman for not being, like, uh, Snyder's Man of Steel. You know, that would be an unrealistic and unfair comparison. Um, so, in that regard, uh, yeah, I, I it's fun. Do you want to do ratings? Sure. Cool. Uh, I'm going to give it, like, a 7.75. It was still... Very good. Wow, you really like this book, don't fine. you? I'm talking to you, Josh. What do you mean? Yeah, no, I really liked it. This was definitely a nine. I, I was me. saying that to him no, because I'm... of his reaction to you, Sean. Yeah, yeah. I'm reevaluating my scoring system because giving like a book that I thought was okay, like high sevens, just seems. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, like, same. If a movie had a seven point seven five, that's spots. like a very good score. I agree. So I'm trying to like reevaluate that through my ratings. It definitely wasn't a like deep I'm I'm comic. Too much praise to some stuff. Yeah. No. I'm curious why they chose to do this in black and white versus color. Well, I think that following I think along the manga vibes. Yes, absolutely. Which is what I was gonna say. Yeah. So I think that that makes sense. Um, I'm gonna give it a seven point five. Still... Okay. Yeah. What are you gonna get? Josh sure. is silently screaming right now. <laughs> No, I said I said this is definitely a nine. Oh for wow, me. okay. Like it, yeah. It was just hitting all sorts of the right points for me. I mean, I will be the first to admit that I'm biased towards stuff that makes me feel like my heart was ripped out and then run through a like clothesline, like the squeezer little device that they used to have before they had uh, drying machines. Uh, I like that. Yeah, oh, okay. the ringer, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, this is still just the first issue, albeit a big yeah. issue. Uh, so maybe you'll feel differently as we get 
to the end yeah, of the series. Do. I'm sure they'll try and pull on your heartstrings then. Yeah. I mean, it's only three issues, so why not? Yeah. Um, yeah, we can move on to Department of Truth uh, if you want. Okay. You guys take it away. So... We're gonna take it away for a little while, Sean. Why don't you go take? Yeah, a nap? you can. Uh, you can just hop off at this I'm point. We're gonna be this for another couple stuff hours. Right now, so. so I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, remember when we didn't think this one existed? Ah, uh, yes. What? Remember yeah. when we didn't think it existed? Decorum number eight. It might. It still. We might still have the release it, date I'm, channel. I'm I've just been throwing it. memes in there, just because like you haven't deleted it yet. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We gotta keep it for uh, posterity's sake. Uh, for the trade. I. Delayed. So we meet, uh, we meet Nixon yes. right here at the start of the issue. We're right here in the White House, and uh, it's Frank Capra, the uh, film director. He did uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. It's that's the first thing that Nixon. I don't cites. know if this is something that you caught on with this, but I mean they mentioned the word propaganda, and I don't know if this is just something okay. where I. Maybe I'm just dumb and this went over my head, but maybe this is one gigantic comic book about the power of propaganda and how it influences perceptions mm -hmm. of reality. And like that's the par well, parallel or allegory for it. The the thing that popped out to me, uh, you know, there's certain things that are being restated here, uh, but I don't know if it this specific point has been stated in previous issues. It's not just... If we convince enough people in the world to believe a specific thing, it will become true. But in here, they really hammer home the fact that not only will it become true, but it will have been true yes. all along. So it propagates not only forward now into the future, but it propagates backwards. Yeah, retroactively. So if enough people, if enough people believe that we landed on the moon, then we will have had a successful space uh program and we will have people on the moon mm -hmm. currently um it's interesting to see this because this is one of the most clear direct issues of this comic book and yes. i think that this is mine it's you remember how i told same for yeah the art no style. absolutely you remember how i told you about my favorite issue being the alien like men in black issue with the guy with the the tinfoil hat yes. i still love that issue yep but i think that this is my new favorite issue of this series so far yeah. So the artist for this Jorge issue Fornes. is Jorge God, Fornes. God, he's so good. He mm -hmm. honestly, this is the best. Like so. he's drawn uh, emotions, uh, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Oh, he he does really well at capturing the people, like real life people. It, incredibly well. Yeah. Like you get Lee Harvey Oswald, you get Frank Capra, you got Nixon yeah. in here. I can just imagine him saying these things. Like, it looks familiar to me, but I can't place him. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because like we all have like that characterized um, Maurice Lamar's yeah. impression from Futurama, uh, Nixon in our heads of like, and that's just yeah. like what it carries. In there. Yeah, so he's he's all right at the start of this. It's like the first days of Nixon's uh, office as mm -hmm. president, and at the end he's like, oh, I knew who you were the moment Arru. you walked in. We're gonna. <laughs> yeah and i'm gonna blackmail he's basically like i'm gonna blackmail you you're gonna do exactly what i well, say you see this crazed this crazed look yes. on his face which is so incredibly nixon and i love that something 
that I, I actually would counter uh, with your point is I actually don't think that he's blackmailing him. I think that he's coercing him to blackmail coercion. It's basically like you're going to do what I say, well, right? Sure, okay. but at the yes. same time, it's almost like instead of threatening him with uh, as would you would with blackmail, it's more of like a bribery. Like I'm going to give you power because we both recognize each other here in this moment mm -hmm. it's like a mutual unspoken understanding of i know who you are you killed my opponent uh in the presidential campaign prior to this and i'm not going to use that mm -hmm. against you in fact i like you for it and hey man thanks for taking care of my opponent literally i think uh nixon versus kennedy when kennedy was running for president nixon was his yes. opponent and that was one of the first televised debates. correct debates. yes yeah, the, the lights were so mm -hmm. bright. Like, you could see Nixon just sweating under those lights and Kennedy just running laps Well, it wasn't him. just that. I mean, he was sick that day, too, and Kennedy was in uh, a great degree of health. He was a lot younger. He was a very young presidential camp candidate. Yeah. Um, this is also the first time that they ever had, like, that televised version of that, so they were both kind of... Back when, back when we had young, healthy candidates. I know, right? Before it was just a bunch of 80-year-old men. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, man, Clinton wasn't, you know, 80 when he ran. He's 80 yeah. now. Oh, yeah, he was, like, 50, yeah. right? Maybe Bide Biden and Trump were both well into their 70s, this most recent yeah. election. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Um, uh, man, I just want to jump around all over I this feel issue. you, but um, do you want to hit the notes? Okay, well, let's, let's, can we go into the spread with the eagle and the bear? Yeah. I just want to tackle that for a second okay. and just say that tells me that Tinian is actually telling the artists that he wants like these spreads to be like this. Or maybe Jorge Fornes just mm -hmm. saw a lot of what's been going. Rock flag yeah. eagle. Maybe Jorge Fornes was just looking at a lot of the other previous issues and decided that he wanted to roll with it here. There's, there mm -hmm. is something that I wanted to point out immediately after that, and that's this page where we see this white face. There's a lot of emotion there. But it's such a small panel. That's interesting. I'm a little confused, but not like confused to the point like I don't understand. I guess I'm confused like the insinuation from the conversation here is that Capra and Oswald are currently, um, what's it called when you're looking for a candidate without interviewing them? There's a word for it when you're like trying to spot somebody who is a good uh, candidate for a job, but you're not like interviewing them actively. Either way, um, they're looking at... Scouting? Scouting, thank you. Yeah, they're scouting for a new uh, film director who can be in charge of uh, this new propaganda machine for America in the Department of Truth. And they end up following... Um, um, Kubrick. Yes. Kubrick? Yeah. So I, I have heard about that you know, moon landing conspiracy that Stanley Kubrick filmed, you know, a fake moon yeah. landing. I don't, I don't remember ever hearing anything about Frank Capra. And I don't think anything came up when I was looking around for that. So I, I'm wondering how they came Well, I think it kind of makes sense, right? Because if you're looking at some very, very, very successful filmmakers, especially the people that are well known for their specific styles of cinematography, it would make sense for, mm there to be some sort of conspiracy theory about their abilities being utilized by the uh, United States government. I mean, it's not unheard of for 
the CIA, for example, they funded a, a series of artistic endeavors so that way they could have a one-up in the artistic race in the Cold War. So it's not that far-fetched. Mm-hmm. It's just it's being applied to something that was like a very heavy conspiracy. But the part that's interesting to me, like like I said with that white panel, it's it's almost like he's a ghost in that moment. You know, when he's looking in the eyes of Capra and asking, like, this frightens you still. And then he turns to him directly and just asks, are you real? Because we still don't know if Oswald here actually is oh, real. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah, and then we even have this panel right here where he's smoking and the uh, tinfoil kid comes in. And he's just scared out of his mind because yes. of the Mothman uh, event where he, that question comes up. Oh, master control is one of the things I was thinking ah, of from Tron. Gotcha. Uh, so this occurs right after the last issue. I think uh, Lee gets the call to come in from the cold because this is what they needed. Yeah. I think that's about Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Um, was it that a, he was having a conversation with a honeypot, right? With the black hat? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. So, uh, I don't want to... There's a lot with this comic book series in the first place that you could just be like, well, maybe it's this, and maybe it's this, and then you could peel back a lot to it. But the thing that I'm happy that we've had this chance to talk about is that question of the power of propaganda to this point. My absolute favorite yeah. part of this, though, is when Nixon just very directly says, we can make it seem like Vietnam was a success. We can make it seem like my presidency, my candidacy, was always a success, which is fantastic for when like moving forward yes. we're gonna get the watergate scandal we're gonna get, have him uh spying on other political candidates like a million other reasons for why nixon was a horrible president um and mm-hmm. really just what would happen under the influence of this especially with the question of propaganda um yeah and the idea of it getting away from them going out of control yes like we can we can control a very precise thing but something vague is much harder to, con- to control because people's imaginations will not imagine the same thing. Yes, absolutely. And then there's also the... And that's that's basically, I think, where the, the Mothman uh, issue was really trying yeah. to convey. So much loose like concepts of what this uh, is that there's too many ideas or working in... Uh, per- yeah, so I think that's where the, um, what are the, the Tulpas... Yes where it does it can't can maybe it's the idea that it can't physically make its form as physical 100 percent physical because there's too many ideas of what it is so it's always yes. shifting it's not quite able to take shape in the physical which is plane. interesting because what does that say about this woman in red um i forgot what her uh title is the what? she's the the whore of babylon whore of thank babylon. you yes yeah she seems to appear wherever a change has occurred. I guess yeah. you could say. I have a question for you. So they made a change occur. They manifested these men on the moon, and that's where she yeah. appeared. Let me ask you this. How do you think... Th- how would you respond to this series if it was like this art style from the get-go? You know, less Martin Simmons. Um, I would like it very much. Maybe I would enjoy it more, but I do enjoy the kind of gritty, dirty aesthetic that he has. I agree. To it. I, I think it comes through really well when he's drawing the I tulpas agree. 
or any sort of like crazy conspiracy theories because it looks like just I... those people that draw everything on the wall and it's just insanity. Mm. I do kind of like that, but I feel like at times it's hard to tell what's being shown, and it's just yeah, it's true. not a this visually is more like pleasing the style. X-Files. Yeah, this looks more like the X Files where you have the agents come in, they explain the story, they talk about it, and come up with the plan to solve things and. That's about the There's internet. no smoking man in this series, but we do get the horror Babylon and. <laughs> well, Lee is the smoking man. Uh, yeah, but there's also um, what's the guy's name with the the eagle hat, the America hat. Thank Hawk. you, Hawk. Hilarious. <laughs> the, the eagle, eagle the you know, bird, the bird. The thing. With the... <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to break down with this, but this can t- this has brought me right back into what I love about this series. So I I am very happy with this issue. I'm, yeah. I keep leafing through all these pages. There's just so much in this I, issue that's been. I have such a hard time. I don't with know it. how they got pictures. They they have pictures, a file on the horror yeah. of Babylon. They're like, we took pictures of her. No well, problem. I think that they said before that there were other captured records of her as well, but she's just been kind of randomized scatter throughout uh human history so they just keep finding random pictures Mm -hmm. here and there and now that they have the technology moving forward through time to find those images it's becoming a bigger file you know um yeah here's my question is if she's there whenever there is a change is her captured image something that would shift as well that's my question um, I don't know about that. I mean, maybe it'll come to a point where they figure out how to fix the world in place, and then the horror Babylon will have never existed, and none of this will have yeah. happened. One of those stories where we've averted this history, and now everything's back to what you are mm. now. Shout out to Jordi Belair uh, for being the colorist on this. Uh, Jordi Belair, I love you. You're mm-hmm. amazing, and we are uh, your biggest fans. Yep. You're so gay for uh, So that's that. the basically the end of the story arc, or this was like a one-shot side piece sort of thing, because next issue is the start of a new story. Back to arc. the USSR, and Martin Simmons yeah. is back. Yeah. And uh, on the cover we have so the uh, X out eyes the on Ministry the, uh, of Lies, Lady Liberty. Yeah, we're gonna go see the Ministry of Lies, which is the Soviet counterpart to the Department of. Which Trade. is a tongue-in-cheek Sean name for like to to parallel against the American Department of Truth. Yeah, I put that yeah, together the very when Josh 1984-esque. Whatever. Uh, you want to do ratings? Yeah. Uh, I thought this issue was fantastic. The art is definitely a breath of fresh air. I, I, I appreciate Martin Simmons' craziness, uh, but this definitely worked for this Agreed. issue. I really enjoyed it. There's so much, like I said, we there is so much to unpack in this mm-hmm. issue. So many things are stated very clearly. Uh, so it's just so it's so yeah. enjoyable. Th- this is another really high point in the series. It makes callbacks to all sorts of other issues. There's that picture, just one frame making a picture that references the story for issue six, like. Deviation one apocrypha is what it's labeled mm-hmm. as in the frame, and it's like that was issue six. Uh, so I think they did a fantastic job on this. This is definitely somewhere around. I agree. Nine. I was going to say the same for me. Um, so I've been really excited about all these 
all these comics that I've read yeah. so far that we've talked about have been very... It's been a very strong week. I don't mm-hmm. have a single complaint about this issue. I feel like this is everything that you could want from a comic book, especially one that's not superhero-related, and... I am very surprised at how much I've come to fall in love with Tinian's work, um, but I'm even more surprised mm-hmm. at how much I've become a big fan of Jordi Belair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to move on to Saga? All right. Cool. Sure. We can, we can kind of get through this. Yeah, this is going to be quick. Um, Saga 57, uh, same team as usual, Brian K. Vaughn, uh, Fiona Staples. Um, immediately following the really weird uh, ending to the previous issue uh, where the pirate has very openly threatened yeah it's always a non-issue like things always kind of resolve really quickly it's like oh whatever he's we we basically get a bit of backstory where it's basically like oh yeah uh, Fiona cut off Mm -hmm. her wings because they were damaged and it wasn't going to do her any good so the whole threat of like, oh no, I can't take my shirt off because it'll expose my wings, was a non-starter basically. Yeah, but I think it's an important. It's fun that BKV still has the ability to make you go, ooh, what's gonna happen next? Because honestly, there are yeah. a lot of authors who don't know how to do that anymore. But we're fifty-seven chapters in, and how many of those chapters have had a oh, cliffhanger? Yeah. Half yeah. of them. Immensely. It's like every other issue. Well, do you remember when Sean mute Sean deafen us really quick? Turn your ears away. Do you remember when uh, King when Prince Robot died and like he was just like had his guts fucking ripped out by the will and then it like that was the end of the issue. Jesus yeah. Christ, that was intense. Yeah, that's that's what I think of. Yeah, and that comes yeah. back here. I'm a little confused about the motivation by the will here based off of that. Um, well, it's not his plan. It's, um, I can almost think of what her name is. I know. <laughs> it's been so long. The, the lady with yeah. the horns. Marco's ex, Teresa. I, I, I never remember. It's been so long. I What happened to the little girl? Yeah. That's my question. Which remember the little, little girl, girl they saved from that planet, and then she was like an orphan? Oh, they said she was off at school oh, right. in the previous issue when okay, they met cool. up. And apparently they picked up Lion Cat to come with him. I'm really happy that Lion Cat's uh, not dead because I was I really thought Lion Cat was dead from that dragon issue. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. I I need to go back and reread I the too. first half of this series. Uh I'm wondering what's going on uh with King the King Robot where it's like this pixelated art like is he teleporting yes. in? Yeah, we, that seems to be the in person. I just don't remember that. Me kind neither. Of- Although, I I think I do remember him doing that to come pop in on Prince every once in a while. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, there there is some big political game being played here while our main characters are just trying to survive. Yeah. Kind of an A and B sort of story here. Not sure where it's going. Um... Uh, and then our our new guy, what's his name? Bombazine or something? Uh, is that his name? I think so. Maybe. I don't know. Some weird ass name. Our koala man. <laughs> koala man is recognized by our vampire girl. Maybe. <laughs> say, as a very say that sentence aloud psycho. to anything else, and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> 
The vampire pirate, yeah, you know. Can you hear us, Sean? Can you hear us in your mouth? He's got his he's got his headphones in his mouth. You're good now. You're good now. I promise. What? Uh, can you feel what, us? Can you feel us now, Mr. Krabs? About? I couldn't feel you guys buzzing. I just saw Tyler go in. <laughs> um, do you think that Koala Man is actually this character, the the vampire pirate? Oh, of of course okay. he is. Unless it's his brother. Well. I mean, it there, would, there this will be how he lost his arm. He lost his arm and gained perspective. <laughs> Delivering toilet paper for the troops. Yes. Classic. Something that you can appreciate about this is that there is so much absurd, surreal uh, elements to this, but it doesn't ever deteriorate from the like linear nature of the storytelling. So much surrealism and absurdism yeah. is this all it's... over the fuck place, and you're just like, where's the plot? Don't know. Not... It's it's all happening kind of in real yes. time. Like we get the flashbacks, but it's very much in real time. While you guys are doing this, this is also happening. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. There's not much else to really say about this. Um I guess I'm curious what your thoughts were about the uh Prince Robot's kid. I don't know why you're bringing that up. For well, this I guess issue. the reason I bring it up is because it makes sense for he sees Fiona to say like, "Don't hide your identity to him," or "Don't don't tell you reveal your yeah. identity." Oh yeah. But yeah. it seems to be something very specifically highlighted. I guess I'm just wondering if maybe there it, that's going to be a for a plot device moving forward. Yeah, he he and well the rest of the. Uh robots are very bad at telegraphing how they're mm -hmm. feeling i feel like that's something the robots should be trained at to basically hide their emotions or at least not telegraphic literally on the face yeah yeah he's like uh what remember who you are always keep your true colors hidden and he's the just crown the crown on his yeah. face just I feel like that's going to be a plot device moving not... forward. I guess I'm just wondering if maybe the pirates would have motivation to like try to bring him back to the robot kingdom for money. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of surprised. Like, you have another robot in the pirates, so there's definitely going to be like some interface between yes, the two. Yes, absolutely. Like, the pirate robot is definitely going to pick up on yes. something. Something it has to. Or maybe not. Maybe Hazel will give it. The give the game away mm -hmm. thinking that kid robot has given it away maybe that has something to do with fiona giving the translator ring to yeah hazel i don't know mm -hmm. uh yeah i think that's all i really have to say about it anything for you no that's cool that's it. ratings um i mean we're back i like it it's not as great of an issue as the past uh, two, but it's still good. I I mean, I'm almost inclined to agree it's with you, but at the same time, I feel like this was a slightly stronger issue than the last one. It's definitely, like, the plot is definitely starting exactly. to move. Mm. It's still in the eights, like an eight or an eight two five. I mean, I can't me. think of a single time a Saga issue ever went below an eight, so... Yeah. Uh, 8.75, I suppose? Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Uh, 
it is an hour into this, so we can get through the next little bits. Uh, these next couple of ones are not going to be too super long. Uh, next, we've got Action Comics 1042 by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Dale Eaglesham. And um, this was the issue 1041, by Josh the way. didn't like this week. Yeah. Because I know you made in the, the title, it says Superman. Superman, and he appeared in half a panel. Or at least his legs did. His... One and a half panels. Yeah, one and a half. Uh, that's not the reason I didn't like it. I just... The artist for this, Eagle Sham, is just not a good I artist. I disagree. I like him in stuff, but this definitely wasn't his best work. I think that it was pretty rushed like, in this. If you go to page... Yeah. If you go to page two and three... Uh, What's this guy's, uh, that they're inter- interrogating? Ryla? Um, yes. Uh, but basically, the e- executioner from Byla panel Ash. two to three. Yeah. Byla. Yeah. From panel two to panel three to the next panel when Midnighter comes in, like, this executioner just changes shape entirely from, like, two... lean buff dude to, like, buff dude to just fat dude that's just like this issue had two artists not just one this also had Will Conrad doing art so maybe that's because it was drawn by two different artists between panels I don't know I don't know which artist which maybe yeah but just I I messaged you guys sorry go on a lot of the art is just kind of incoherent yeah I messaged you guys the other day saying there's a panel or a sequence in Action Comics would be so much funnier if Midnighter was naked. Imagine Midnighter just busting into this room, killing that guy, throwing up and passing out just completely butt naked. Yeah, that would be a lot funnier. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I'm a little confused about the nature of the speed in this issue because I understand that Midnighter is trying to get to Apollo as fast as possible. It would not make any sense to try to delay that. Well, he's already been to Apollo. He's trying yes. to rescue Apollo. He's figured out where he is. He's trying to mount an assault. But I don't know what these lunar rotations are. Um, I think that that just means those are the, the days, days on the actual planet itself. Dwarf world. Yeah. It's got to be longer than, like, a normal day, or else they'd say, like, day one, day two. I think they're just trying to make it seem more... Well, space oriented because this is what's been going on yeah. in the background of the last like five issues while superman has been in the gladiators arena you know i at the end of this issue i feel like we've missed a lot of what superman is i feel doing. like we're catch up to that point eventually well again you have to look at the beginning part right here like it says weeks ago at the very first part of this and then it says uh on page four uh, i'm sorry uh page six uh, lunar Rotation 17. So this is all the stuff that Midnighter has been doing while Superman has yeah, been where, doing. Where it says weeks ago, it says the authorities' first lunar rotation on Warworld. Exactly. So this was like day one yeah. just after Midnighter escaped. Yeah. Yeah. And then okay. by the end of the issue, we're a little ahead. But yeah, Philip Kennedy Johnson has said that um, Ricardo Federici is still the main artist for this book, sure. just he's not the fastest. So you'll have these little fill-in one-shots here and That's there. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I'd rather have self-contained stories rather than having random fill-in artists in the main story. Yeah. This definitely... I don't know if it's skippable, but it. I'm not sure it adds a well, lot. Well, I think that there's... I mean, the Maybe point when of this, it all comes together, you'll appreciate it a little more. The point of this is to show Maybe. the difference between 
Superman and the idea of Superman compared to people like Midnighter. You know, I mean, there are other people who yeah. are already influenced by the uh, moral nature of Superman and saying we shouldn't kill, we should be more like him, you know? Yeah. So we're at Lunar Rotation 61 by the end of this. And it feels like we've missed a lot with Superman's story because Steel, Omac, Superman yeah. are in a completely different place from what we saw before at the end of the previous issue. Well,. So it seems like there's a lot of story that's being taken place, not here in the comics. Maybe we will step back in the next issue. But it, yeah, I think we're going to catch up to where this is. Next, told. the Superman of War World. I thought that at I the end of the last issue, there was uh, the conversation about Superman saying, like, making the discovery that Midnighter's trying to blow up War World, and then he's like, "Oh no, we got to move faster." Yeah. They discover the energy. I don't remember about Midnighter. But everybody is basically in a new outfit. Omac has changed sides, so there's just a lot of development that we haven't seen. Omac, though, and I'm not sure. If maybe step we'll back get like one shot sort of based on Omac seeing her no, change no, 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 of no, no. lunar rotations. We've already had this. Remember, there was a scene very specifically that that captured Omac getting the chains and becoming part of the culture, and then being brought in by the other Warzoons and the other. I don't know. That just felt I, more like I didn't Omac trying to integrate themselves into it to gain an advantage and knowledge. Like, we're going to infiltrate and pretend to be part of them, but we don't really see Omac, like, changing sides, yeah. getting that mask or mm -hmm. anything. I feel like that's still something that needs to be shown rather than just finding out that that happened. Yeah, okay. I agree. And I think we will see it, like... Johnson hasn't let us down thus far. No. So I'm hoping it will sort of come full circle in the end and all make sense. Sure. I'm hoping the next issue isn't just starting right here. Maybe, it, you know, it says next, Superman of War World. Maybe that will be, like, how he became Superman of War World. Maybe. Maybe it will lead up to this point as well. Yeah. Um... I kind um, of agree. I, I, I have trust for PKG, but it definitely was a strange issue for compared to the, a lot of the other stuff. Yeah, I I do like Philip Kennedy Johnson. This just doesn't feel like as good of an issue, maybe because of the art. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess he sort of had to work out a fill-in. Mm -hmm. I still enjoyed it enough. Yeah. It's just alright. Yeah. Definitely like in the sevens for me, maybe just seven. I yeah, I'll probably give it like as good as the a seven and it, a half, seven, not, seven, five. Yeah. If if Midnight had been naked, as as the previous issues. Yeah, if it'd be naked uh, in that opening sequence, it would be in the nines for me. <laughs> like, still, still have the mask on, just neck down, nothing. Midnighter naked and bombing. Gotta have the That's exactly what. That's what Sean needs in his life. I, I do appreciate the cover here where they made the Superman crest with the chains. Yeah. I did like oh, that. Oh, one sequence I did actually really like in this, I forgot about, was Midnighter cuts a girl's chains and she starts freaking out. She's like, what have you done? Oh, that dialogue was great. It's like, you... I'm not afraid of you if you're just gonna bitch about your chains and do nothing. Yep. Yeah, and then I liked how you saw her sort of pick up a sword and follow him. And... I don't know if we saw her again in the issue, but she definitely seemed like she broke away from that tradition yeah i think we see her later 
I thought we did, but I can't be bothered to scroll through it and see. Yeah, here she is. She's wearing the. Uh, oh yeah. The crest. Yeah. All of those guys from that scene, I think, join in. Maybe. Yeah. Uh. I think I agree. I think that it's still good, but I think that's like a 7.75 for me. Hmm. Yes, we can all admit it's not the best issue. I mean, I'm definitely not opposed to the art. I, I'm used to uh, Eagle Shim uh, from Sinestro and I think uh, some other series that I can't think he, of. But he, he did some Shazam work. Yeah. Some. <laughs> I would like to say most of it, but I don't think that's true. But... It definitely was not most. It's just, it's just like it's not Federici, so it's not good. Well, it's not Federici. Five out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I've already said my piece on that, so yeah, we can we can we can move on. All right. Finally. Final one. Human target number six. Human target number six. Tom King and you Greg like that Smith. cover? That is a nice cover. It's a great cover. And this issue was I actually made I actually made the face when we got to the big part where I yeah. just this is this is the halfway point. Yeah, but yeah, I, and this was a big big finale to this mm-hmm. first half. I just didn't know what to think was. I knew people were pissed off at this issue online. People were really mad, but I wish you hadn't said anything about it and just let me read it and be like, holy no. shit, oh, I'm versus sorry. Like, expecting something I didn't, to happen. I didn't know that this was going to happen to this. I didn't read anything about it. I know, no. I, Sean was coming in and talking about, oh, everyone is mad online about the human target because of the ending. And that kind of ruins like any expectation what? you have. Why? Like, I'm sorry. I'll, gonna I'll be better. I don't know about that. I, 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 there's been studies done that actually show that when we know that something is going to happen, we actually end up enjoying it more. That's different. Yeah. But I, you're not shocked by it as much of what happened. I mean, I was. You can enjoy it I, All I knew yeah. was that there was something in it that pissed people off. That's it. I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know it was going to be this. And I was baffled. I feel like I could have taken some guesses. I, I did not. And maybe one of them I didn't make right. a single guess. I didn't were think about you, it at all. Would you have guessed that he gets his head smashed? No, I would not have. I would not have fucking thought of that at all. It's the most far-fetched thing. I, I don't know if I would have guessed that Guy Gardner got his ring back so easily, but still. I'm baffled. I'm baffled, baffled by this issue. I really am. Like, I know it's a black yeah. label book. I know it doesn't affect or change any single kind of continuity, and I don't really mind that because it's not going to you know change really anything for me, but I was very, 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 very surprised. Yeah, but holy like, shit. Like, really, though. Like, just completely crushed him to death. Holy snikes. Yeah, Guy is a dick, but he's still a hero? Well, I mean, I get the idea that this guy is an overly obsessive bully who has a lot of hyper-masculinity issues and possession issues with ice. So, I get that. Yeah. Um... I keep feeling like I need to go back and read the first issue again, because we get those little tiny panels that basically explain all of the days all 12 days basically and being able to see all of those in context now or at least the first yeah time. yeah because we've still got um rocket red red rocket whatever his name is red guardian is that marvel that's mm-hmm. uh, no 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 you're we've right still got the russian guy yeah, yeah yeah that weird critter 
Ja. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Off-brand Chewbacca. <laughs> Gnort. I love Gnort. I am going to make a prediction. I... I think that Ice knows who accidentally killed Christopher and just doesn't want to say... I don't know. I don't really think it's Ice, fire. I still think it's think Ice who killed him. Really? Yeah. Do you think she's going to come in at the last second and save him, just freeze that poison out of his body? I don't know if they can do that. Mm, that's not how poison works, Josh. Let me just freeze your blood momentarily. You'll be fine. Yeah. There's water in there. It'll be okay. Don't worry about Guy Gardner's puddle so it's over just, there. It's it's. I'm sorry I killed you. Here are several pity fucks. <laughs> it was before I knew you. Before I really knew it's you. It's a. There's a lot. I mean, I feel bad about it. It would make sense. I didn't know you then, but now I know you, and I feel really bad. It would about make it. sense for her to be the femme fatale in this, based off of what we've seen so far. I mean, the way that this ends is. I spent the day fighting, yeah. fucking, and drinking, and I, I'm an idiot for yeah. And then he finally goes and talks to Fire. Well, Fire comes to talk to him. Is that what that is? She's in his oh, office. okay. Yeah. I didn't take that uh, as that at all. Yeah, well, I bet you got there a lot faster with her. Her. You know me, boss. Some women you can't say no to, and he let Luigi let her up into okay. his office. That's his Yeah, office. that makes sense. Yeah, because right now, Fire is kind of the femme fatale. Like, she's in his office waiting for him. She's dangerous. Ice is dangerous as well. But well. She doesn't have exactly ill feelings towards the human target. Yeah. It's just crazy to me that we got to that Martian Manhunter issue, and then we kind of just went like, okay, next. Uh, I mean, it kind of leads into this. Well, yeah, it does. Like, I know it's fire, and now we're going to fight about it. Like, fire, I got to talk to fire. That's what I saw. I think he, he doesn't tell her everything about what he saw. I, I got to reread this part. Yeah. He's like, I played it out differently to Ice versus how things actually Yeah, happened. probably trying to save her some discomfort, I guess. You know, being a target, you know, a lot, putting himself and in the middle of the fire. Maybe he still doesn't entirely trust her yet. Maybe. Mm hmm. Hmm. What do you think? I like it. I think he needs to find God. He's got to go to church <laughs> that, with Dr. Midnight. Dr. Midnight. Midnight doing that is. That was a lot. I mean, it makes sense because of the character, but it's just interesting to see that in a DC book, I guess. Okay. I just remembered there was something I wanted to bring up. That last page with Doctor of Midnight, where we've got just the ha 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 all over the page. What the hell is going on there? What do you mean? Who's yeah. laughing? Yeah. Is he? I thought so. Okay. Weird. Yeah, he's just laughing at the concept of religion. It's weird. It's a weird scene, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I felt like it was pretty clear. I I I don't know. I didn't expect him to like there's so much he's thinking about at the same time and then for him to just start laughing was weird. Yeah. 
I, I see it now. I Dying people can still laugh, Josh. <laughs> when you're being very introspective. Why are you happy? You're dying. Yeah. We're all, We're dying. all dying, man. True. Alright. Anything else no, about this? I'm done. No, I liked it. Yeah. I'm very excited to see where it is It's a good issue, but it's kind of quick. Very controversial, but... Yeah, that scene is getting a lot... Some. People online are acting as if Tom King just killed, like, main continuity version of him. Yeah. Who gives a fuck about Guy Gardner? I mean, I like him. <laughs> it's just people wanting to be upset. I like him. Yeah. Meh. He's, he's grown as a character. He's one of the few yes. characters that's actually grown. A lot, actually. Come on, baby. Do you know what this fucking did to me? This fuck did to me? Well, yeah, He doesn't talk like you know that anymore. Yeah, no, he hasn't been that much of a douche since the 80s, honestly. I mean, even, like, during the 90s when he had that weird power where he could, like, manipulate weapons out of his body. Whatever the fuck that was. He was like, warrior. Yeah, that was so stupid. The <laughs> 90s was weird, man. Yeah. True. Thank God for Jeff Johns bringing him back into the GL core. Anyways, ratings. Uh, I really like this. I'm going to give it, like, an 8.5. It's not the best issue of the run, but it's still extremely good it's good not the best i kind of fine uh, shocking definitely shocking well i almost feel <clears throat> a lot of callbacks to a lot of other noir stories uh where the main character ends up doing something bad with the femme fatale or you know gets caught up in the middle of something because of her and I kind of like that throwback to other storytelling devices. Um, so I can kind of see why it was done here. Again, controversial, sure, but... I kind of expected Hal at some point just to kind of reform, like, the Terminator in T2. Just, like, all the little puddles just start forming back to Give each other. Guy Gardner. Yeah. yeah. I was, I, when you said Hal, I was like, oh, I wonder what Hal Jordan's going to do. Um, I he's going to use his immense will to <laughs> bring him back to life. His immense will, absolutely throbbing yeah. will. Uh, but this, this is kind of like an eight, maybe an eight two five for me. Uh, like it's it's good, but it's not the high that I felt in the other issues. I'm going to say eight point five as well. I definitely agree that it's it's not the best issue that's been done so far, but I I really appreciate that they took this big risk and uh the story's still moving along really interestingly is there um a break at all between arcs yeah we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago it's like okay. six months or so okay coming back in september cool 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 um, it's too long it is too long that's what she said um, and we're, get, we're getting a trade of the first six issues coming beginning of September as well. Yeah. Yeah. So long. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Sean and I are going to talk about Robin 1 through 12 by Josh Williamson and Gleb Mel Melnikov. Yeah, we'll keep it pretty brief. But this is a book you did not choose to keep up on when it was first coming out, and you've just caught up because of the impending crossover. Yes. With Batman and Deathstroke. Now now that you've caught up, what do you think? I still have a Regret lot of criticisms 
for oh, well, I have you. I have some criticisms about the first arc. I like the second <laughs> arc, but I I feel like the first arc just felt very. It still felt very Mortal Kombat esque without it being Mortal Kombat esque. I don't know how if that makes sense, but it was a fun tournament arc. It, again, it's not necessarily that I hated it because I definitely did not. I thought it was fun. I, I guess it's just that it's not this. It's not as impactful, I guess, as this new arc. You know, with uh, Talia and Raish. It's it's just yeah. it's different, and that's probably not fair of me to compare the two. But it's the same storyline, so. Yeah, it was. It wasn't really two arcs. It was all one big arc. Yeah, exactly. Really. So, I guess I'm more impressed by the relationship development and interactions between Damien and Talia, uh, especially with issue twelve. Uh, I mean, you saw yeah. that I highlighted the issue I shared in the chat. Um, I'm confused by the soul magic stuff. Can you explain that to me? It's a. What do you mean? Which well, it's confusing me. Because I just don't remember that being a thing before. Uh, it might not have been. Mm. It's just dealing with, like... It's adding lore to, like, the origin of the Lazarus Pits and whatnot. Yeah. But Mother Soul's a completely new character that Josh Williamson's made. I mean, I um, got that, but the soul magic element of this is just interesting. Because I mean, there's the whole inter uh, interaction between Robin's... You know, in his mind. Yeah. Um, and then he falls into the metaphorical and quite literal grave pit that he has to pull himself out of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do uh, think it's just kind of... I think Josh Williamson has just made it up himself. Okay. To sort of do some magic world building and whatnot. Um... I mean, this is a and good... Obviously, we should probably talk about... Damien joined this contest because the prize is you get some Lazarus resin to bring someone back to life. Yes, and we all and he know... he obviously still feels guilty about Alfred. Yes. So he's trying to make amends with Bruce by bringing Alfred back to life. Well, I mean, it's definitely um, to make amends with Bruce, but it's also to... to Make amends with himself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And make amends with the entire Bat family as well, because he... For the last couple of years, he's kept himself distanced from them because he still feels guilty for it. Mm -hmm. He still feels like they've got something against him because he let Alfred die, even though they don't. Yeah. Because that's just who Damien is. Yeah. I can confidently say that whenever I read something written by Josh Williamson, it feels like a lot of like early parts of Jeff Johns, you know, it's not that every story is a love letter, but it's it's very much it's very apparent that Williamson doesn't write a character without love in his heart, you know? He he yeah. cares about Damien and he cares about having him interact with Talia uh the way that he does <coughs> and her name is Flatline, right? Yes. Yeah, that interaction is interesting, but uh I like it. Josh Williamson's kept, like, the heart and whatnot from the Peter Tomasi stuff and really ran forward with it. Yeah. He hasn't tried to discredit or decanonize anything bad about Damien. He's just kind of no. accepted it's all canon and tried to move forward. Yeah. Uh, I am mixed feelings about sexy Rachel Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not like... 
Daddy Al Ghul. <laughs> Daddy Al Ghul little... is, is, is giving me mixed feels. <laughs> How old is he now? He's like 200 years old, something like that. At least. More. Yeah, I don't need to be, I don't need to have a G-Dilf fetish. I'm, I'm good. I need to be, I need to be better at G-G-G-G-G-G-G. <laughs> um... I'm that still... scene from the end where he just had the little cocktail umbrella yeah. and his drink. That was amazing. That was really good. I am curious to see how this crossover event is going to play out because as you probably agree with me on, crossover events typically are not that fun. I mm. get why people do them, but it's all Williamson. But the so fact maybe... that... Yeah, it's all Williamson, so... I mean... I hope it's good. You don't like Bendis the way that I do, but one of my favorite crossover events that I can recall has been his X-Men stuff when he did the two annuals of the uh, time-traveling mutant. And I think you're one of the only people that likes that Avengers vs. X-Men run, because you always bring it up. But anytime I see anyone else mention it, they just shit on it. Uh, I, w- I didn't say Avengers vs. X-Men. It was just the X-Men run. Oh. I thought you said the crossover. So there was a crossover between all new X-Men and Uncanny X-Men annuals uh, where they kind of go in parallel with each other. And because it was written by Bendis as well, it just had a really good flow. Um, I really liked the Avengers vs. X-Men run because of how ridiculous it was. I actually think it makes sense for them to kill off Charles Xavier. And I think it made sense for them to have Scott Summers become a villain. Well... Kind of a villain. I mean, he ended up joining Magneto's side. I think that that kind of made sense for his arc, honestly. Uh, but that's just me. I, I'm seeing. Tyler, Josh... just have a look at the picture I've posted in the chat. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Dad's yeah. truck. Again. <laughs> uh, that's my entire uh, childhood right there. Um. I can see Williamson growing as a... I have edited that Action Comics page to have Midnighter naked. <laughs> it's not well done, he but it's... Like... <laughs> <laughs> I tried. <laughs> it works. It really does. I think that you should post that on Reddit. Anyways, Williamson has really grown as an author, and it's very apparent in this, and I think that that's something to look forward to in a lot of his future well, stuff. Uh, five, six... Jesus, six years ago. Fucking hell, I'm old. Six years ago... Um, <laughs> when they announced Rebirth and did that convention thing, where they were announcing all the creative teams and whatnot, Jeff Johns passed the torch to Josh Williamson and said he's, like, Mm. his successor. And then we've really seen Williamson embrace that role over the last couple of years. I would love to see Williamson do a Green Lantern storyline. I think that he would do fucking great on that. They'd do a great job. Um... I still want that Jeff Lemire horror Green Lantern. Book. God, seriously. Um, I don't know what he's doing after this. What is he doing after the Batman stuff? Dark Crisis. Yeah, but after that, no idea. Issue one's only just been solicited. Yeah, good point. All right, all right. <laughs> give him, give him chance, Tyler. Yeah, I'm not. I'm impatient. He, he's still gonna, he's still gonna be writing Robin. That's still ongoing. Okay, fair uh, He's obviously off of Batman. However, there have been rumours he's writing his own Batman book. Hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, I so got nothing else. We'll see where that goes. Yeah, you want to no? do ratings? Uh, yeah, like, series as a whole, I've really been, it's been a lot of fun. I'd give it, like, an 8.25. Okay. 
Uh, I'd probably give it an eight. Well, actually, I do really like Flatline. As the whole, I guess I would say probably like an 8.5 as this whole 12 issue arc has gone. Um, this issue in itself, think, probably like an 8.75. Yeah, I think the series could be a little better, but it's still the best Damien's been written in years. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you on that. I think that this is definitely well done. Uh, and I think that yeah. there are a lot of people who should feel very happy that someone who knows what he's doing is taking over the character. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay, uh, let's do picks of the week then. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I'm going to choose. <laughs> Josh has to Truth. remember what he's read this week. He's like, oof, I so many right books. Here. Yeah, mine was easy. Mine was easy because of Jorge Fornes, and that with that, then the whole Nixon pick. Like I, I knew immediately that was my pick of the week. I can guess Josh's. Uh, action comics. <laughs> no, it's going to be Ghost Cage, isn't it? Da, 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 da. Yeah. Well, depart. It was between Dar Department of Truth and Ghost okay. Cage. Uh, but Tyler took. Department you can of have. Truth. I'll give. You it can to share him. opinions with me. You can do <laughs> no. it. I promise. No. I'm selfish. I want it I to myself. Uh, no, they're both definitely nines for me, if not better. But they are very good at. at Ah, very good issues this week. Love them. Yeah, Completely and my agree. pick is going to be Rogues number one. It was really fucking good. Okay. Yeah. I'm honestly surprised you didn't rate it higher. What did I give it? What did you give it? 875. Yeah. 875's a good score. That's a it, great score. Again, though, like, it's Williamson. It's uh, the Flash universe. It's a black label book. It's characters that you love. Like... To me, it, it felt like a match made in heaven, just specifically tailored for you. Um, for context, on IMDb, The Matrix, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, Lord of the Rings Two Towers, Inception, all have 8.7s. Wow, good for you. I'm so... Look, good so job. So that's... It's on par but with there those. there are people that... There are people that rated those 10s. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm saying you've got to look at like what's comparative with that. I've been way too generous to my scores over the last few months. I don't know about that. I'm trying to be more realistic. Alright, fair enough. Like, 7 is still a good score. Yeah, it is. It's passing. But we All we right. seem to be giving, like, okay stuff, like 7.75s. Hey, man. I, I was pretty harsh with my rating for Action Comics this week. Yeah, you were. But well, you still gave it a good score. We, but we all know that you're dead inside. Seven. So, like, it makes sense. Seven is, like, almost failing. In America. But, like, what, what are, like, one, two, three, four, five, and six doing? Well, nothing. I'm not going to read those comics. Well, we have like, read. They're just you, sitting you around waiting for them. Ethan Van Skyver to come We have around. read uh, five out of ten comics before. We've rated stuff that low before and been like, this is terrible. Yeah. And the stuff that doesn't rate high enough doesn't make it onto the show. We're just like, yeah, eh, forget this. Well, I don't even want to talk about it. I mean, it. we... I think that we've had the conversation before where we are willing to have that, you know, talk about, oh my god, I fucking hated this issue so much, I want to talk about how much I hate this yeah. issue. Yeah, like, I feel like I need to or, just... alternatively, not all of us are reading that issue, that series, yeah. because you guys, like, 
I don't know how you guys would rate the Maestro series. Like, you're just like, oh, I don't even want to read that. So I'm sure you guys. It's not that I don't necessarily want to read it. It's just I didn't know it existed until like six months ago. The reason why I haven't read it in specific is because I haven't finished Peter David's run of Hulk, and I want to actually experience that before I hop into something Maestro related. That's all right. Maybe that was a bad example, but I mean, there's probably series that we're all not in agreement on. Uh, And so we just what would you rate Deep Beyond? Oh yeah, it's so great. Not ten out of ten. Eleven out of ten. Infinity. It's just disappointing, but meh. I mean, you know, I'm I'm reading magic. You know, like I'm I I recognize that it's not the best series that's been, uh, been out there, but Jed McKay actually does a really good job with this, and I think that that's really impressive considering the nature of these characters. Yes, Tyler, we get yeah. it. You're a virgin. Move on. <laughs> I hate you. You'll never get You'll this. Never la la la. <laughs> I have a magic card for days. All right. All right. Uh, next week. Next week. Seems pretty light. Maybe. Well, for, for you. Can I just say? Um, no, I'm getting more things than you. Can I just say? Because there's... Can I just uh, say that I'm, very look- I'm really looking forward to uh, Something is Killing the Children coming back. Ah, yeah. Is it a school shooter? I hate you. So we have Batman Beyond the White Knight number one. Sean Murphy's epic series returns. Get all the covers. All of them. Even ones you can't find. Because they underprinted. Yeah. I'm going to be there Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Let me in! Let me in! Um, we have Shadow War Alpha number one, which is the first part of the Shadow War crossover. Uh, we have Hulk Grand Design number one. Uh, I've not read any of these Grand Design books before, but they've done a Fantastic Four one and an X Men one, and they had a lot of praise. I'm not familiar with this. Oh, okay, yeah, this is the artist who did um, the comic books about '90s and '80s hip hop. Okay, cool. Um, I'll leaf through it. We have Astro City, That Was Then, which is a one-shot special. I haven't read any of it. Neither have I, but... Oh, they've got a few... Huh. They've got a few stylized variant covers in the styles of the artists' respective books. Hmm. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I'll just send you guys the link... So there's like a Walking Dead one. Uh, I haven't seen the Walking Dead one, but this one has sex criminals, I think. Um, Old Guard, um, The Wicked and Divine. Some early Spawn stuff, or Savage Dragon even, Radiant Black. And is that supposed to be... Chew. I don't even know. Chew. Chew. Okay. I never got into that. Chews! Chews! Sorry. And the things that Sean are not is not reading. Uh, no, I still got I still got more 13. here. Um, okay. We got Dark Ages number six, which is the final issue. Oh. We'll see how this all wraps Finally. up. Finally. Finally, how long has it been since the previous issue? A month. I'm just gonna hate reading this series right now. <laughs> well, it's the last issue, Josh. You never have to read it again after this. I know. I thought la- I thought number five was the last issue, and I was like, oh shit, there's one more. 
Um, we have Swamp Thing number 11, which is the first issue of this new season, after it got renewed for more. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance number 6, which is a new story arc, apparently. I didn't realise the previous story yes. arc had ended. Yeah, our main character was shot. Have I caught up on it? I thought I caught up on it. Mm, you're a bad comic book reader. Yeah. I thought I caught up on it. I don't, I'll have we to should have talked it. about it. We haven't We haven't talked about it since issue one, I think. I think we put it off because we thought issue six was the end of the arc. Or I yeah. thought it was the end of the arc. I don't know. We need we need to talk about yeah. this. We'll this talk about we... this issue. Uh, yeah, we have Return of Something is Killing for Children, number 21. And this is back to the present day, because issues 16 to 20 were all um, flashback tying into House of Slaughter. Mm-hmm. And now 21 is following on from issue 15, as she moves on, as Erica moves on to fight a new monster. Okay. Um, we have The Amazing Spider-Man 93, which is the finale of this series before it reboots with Spider-Man oh, number one with Jim's up. Yeah, Jim Zub, and then Zub Wells. it's uh, issue six of the Zeb Wells run is going to be um, that weird 900. sinister. Yeah. If they had only made it eight more issues, the end of the year, if they made it to the end of the year, they could have had, you know, the premiere of Morbius. <laughs> <sighs> Notice how they haven't released a tie-in issue for that movie. Um, we've got Batman One Dark Knight number two, finally, after many months. Ooh. I'm probably not going to read this because I didn't really like issue one. It was okay. It was fine. It was fine. I'm going to really consider getting that. It's like a 5.0 comic. The art was very good, but the writing wasn't. Mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have Step by Bloody Step number two by Cy Spurrier and Matt Lopez. Oh. That's, Number two of four. That's weird. I'm just looking at the cover, and Spurrier's name's last. That was what threw me off. Because hmm. I was like, where's his name? Uh, I see him as writer. Artist is Lopez. Yeah, but on the cover, it's Bagara, Lopez, oh. and Spurrier last. Oh, yeah. Huh. So I was like, wait, is this issue written by someone else? Is this like a collaborative thing? Um, we have Hulk number five, which I know Josh is very excited for. <laughs> yeah, the Inner Wars, huh? Yeah, this is still the Smashdronaut arc. Gee, mm-hmm. Is that really the name of the arc, Tyler? Come on, it's funny. Smashdronaut. Smashdronaut. Come on. Josh, I'm tempted to join you and drop this. <laughs> that arc name is just too Go bad. To his favorite, his favorite restaurant, Smashburger. This I hope this picks up after the crossover. Otherwise, well, that's not going to happen until the end of issue eight, which is the end of the Banner Wars. Yeah, so we've got one more issue of this arc. Then we've got that crossover. If it's not picked up by issue nine, I'm done with it. Because so far it's been such a lukewarm. I'm going to give but... them twenty more dollars, but then, <laughs> only then will I stop. Well, I'm reading it for the crossover because I'm reading Thor, so I may as well read these last yeah. two issues for the. Uh... You'll find a way to justify it. No, if it hasn't picked up after a crossover, like, I think I've dropped Superman now, because I wasn't enjoying it before the crossover. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we have Newburn number five by Chip Zdarsky and Jacob Phillips, 
and this has a new backup story starting in it. Uh, we have Rogue Sun number two. Yep. It feels like. Are you going to get it? Yeah, I'll check out a few more issues. I liked number one well enough. Um, okay. It feels like it's been a while since we got issue one, was it? It was last month. Oh no, gee, it was this month. March 2nd, what? and then this is coming out March 30th. Really? It feels like it's been a long time since that issue came out. It's been a while. Weird. Since could... Action Comics is monthly, and it feels like we get that so often. You do. Okay. It's Yeah, I guess it's just every four weeks, so it's slowly slipping forward into the future. It's been a while. Yeah. March 30th, April 27th, May 25th, June 22nd. They're on a four-week schedule. Uh, we okay. also have Radiant Black number 13, which Josh is going to be reading. I will not. I will be. I will not be. Will Tyler? Tyler will not be. I'm out. Oh, this is a, maybe a special issue, because it's... They're all special issues. Marcelo Costa... <laughs> Marcelo Costa with Igor Monti doing the art. So it's a... It's a uh, two-artist thing. You see the uh, graphics for the mm. cover. No, that's Stefano Sim Simeone, Simeone for the cover. Has it been a while since the last it's issue? It's been a while! No. No, it's yeah. not been... Num issue number 12, the Radiant Pink episode, uh, came out February 9th. So it's been a while. Been a while. Yeah. Dude, they're coming out like every other month because number 11 came <laughs> and out they're cramming in, they're cramming enough plot for two months into one issue god seriously yeah and then they're back to monthly now it's weird they like took a month so total a month off um and Whatever. is that it for next week i think so yes so it's not so light of a week. No, this week was a nice little breather. And then we're back in full force next week. Yeah. I'm just not subscribed to so many of these issues, these series. Like, I'm just like, ah, I'll pick it up if it's there. <coughs> I'm kind of... I'm a gambler. I'm at this point now where I'm, I'm focusing and prioritizing the majority of my collection to be the independent stuff. You know, Dark Horse Image Boom. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm slowly dropping my DC stuff. But they're publishing a lot of good stuff right now, they so it's are. hard. I mean, a lot, even if it's not just the, the miniseries, there's still just a lot of really good quality content being put out right now. What have I just added to my subs? I just ordered a load of new stuff from June the other day. Fair enough. Oh, yes, yeah, so I've added Dark Crisis, The Closet, Public Domain. I ordered the new Variants book by Gail Simone. And oh, Flashpoint Beyond as well. I and need Danger to add Street. Flashpoint to my list. I forgot about that. And Danger Street, the new Tom King one. Uh, but yeah, that is it for next week. Let's wrap up this episode. Yeah. Uh, it's been a good week. You heard all of the comics that we read this week. You heard our picks of the weeks. You heard our ratings. This has been our Comic Book Club episode. And today is Sunday, March 27th. It is comic book time for reading. 
And that's the Cult of Comics. Thanks for checking us out. If you've been with us for a while, thanks for sticking around. If it's your first time checking us out, thanks for giving us a shot. You can check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, all the podcast locations, just not Stitcher. Uh, don't know why that is yet. I think it's just because it's on Anchor.fm, and they're the ones who've been distributing us. That's right. You can go to Anchor.fm right now and check out our page for our RSS feed and do monthly, uh, monthly contributions, where you can also go to Patreon.com slash Comics to do monthly contributions there, although I need to figure out what's going on with that because now the site hates me. But if you join the dollar or higher it's level, we call that dollar or higher level uh, the Blood Boys level, uh, and you can help keeps us sustained as long as you are helping us. Even just month, uh, $1 a month really helps us out. Morbius, Morbius thanks you for the Blood Jared Boys. Jared Leto thanks you for all of the uh, young, virginal... Careful now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm treading very thin waters here. We, we all know that he's got like a cult <laughs> thing going on for whatever it is. I don't know what he's doing. Allegedly. On. Hey, girls, just keep your tents unzipped. <laughs> Are you over the age of 16? That's enough for him. He doesn't seem to be the kind of guy that cares about that anyway. No, not really. How old is he now? 50? 50. Yeah. Maybe he's 60. 51 now. That's why he looks he's so good, because of all the blood boys. Here. I don't want to look this up. Yeah, I'm don't good. Google that. The FBI is going to come raid your place. <laughs> Time right. to SWAT. Until next Time week. to SWAT. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in for uh, Cool to Comics podcast. Check us out next week. Have an awesome rest of your day. Stay safe out there. And all hail Alan Moore. Dash. 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 Dot. 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 The three of us are in a cult.